Good evening. So we have arrived again together for another episode. It's been quite a wet and wild day here in London. The rain falling in sheets and the buses and traffic snaking through puddles and overflowing drains. Yet these inclement weather conditions are often an opportunity to reflect a little on life as the sound of the falling rain can often stir up memories and cause us to drift to somewhere new or often somewhere old where we've been before. That's what has happened to the young man who's at the centre of tonight's story. So let's sit back and relax and hear both the bright and dark places it brings him. Young Jack lay motionless in his blankets and watched his breath form wispy clouds of steam in the cool nothingness around his head. Outside, the rain had begun to tinkle its sharp fingers against the window, and the forecast for the whole of the coming week made for uncomfortable viewing. Indeed, his jaded television set had informed him that the unseasonably wet conditions were set to continue from Tuesday to the weekend, and so on into infinity. Even lying on one side beneath his bedclothes, Jack could feel the shiver of an early winter rattle up through the base of his spine, bounce about the cavern of his ribcage, and clatter his teeth together until the echo rang forth from his mouth. It was weather for ducks, as his mother would say, Of course, she always had some old saying from the dark mists of the 1980s or an unrelated anecdote with a moral twist to ensure he got whatever point she was trying to make. It amazed him how every story from her youth was not a story at all, but rather a cautionary tale that he should fully digest before he laced up his shoes and walked out the front door. The 20th century must have been a terrible time for her. Yet still, here he was in his first flat since he'd hatched and flew the nest, and he wished he'd heeded some of her unsolicited advice. It would indeed have been a good idea to buy a fan heater if there was no oil in the house, and it would indeed have made sense to buy a thick quilt with a good tog rating if all he had were two thin summer blankets, which were as hairless and old as his mother's dog. But he had other ideas for his wages. Dolan's warehouse had been hopping on Friday evening. Some of the best emerging international DJs had assembled for a night that his youth would never forgive him for if he dared to miss it. Between sets, he'd washed back three pills with a few pints of warm lager in plastic glasses until he became more interested in chewing the plastic than drinking the beer within them. Mousy Blake and a few old lads from Corbally were shuffling about, and sure, it was always a good night when Mousy was around. Never any trouble getting sorted for what you needed, and he was a gentleman about giving you one or two on tick, if you were ever stuck for a few bob. Good old Mousy. 
It was a pity the night took such a bad turn. Gazing open-mouthed at the orange strobe lights revolving in opposite directions, Jack's gut twisted and the sense of car sickness that he was still prone to in adulthood returned to haunt the pit of his stomach. Rushing from the floor and into a disabled toilet, he cracked his forehead off the mirror before emptying the contents of his belly into the hand basin. He had stayed there, dry-reaching for several minutes, with the door half open, until an unfriendly security man escorted him to the front door. Stay walking now, kid. The voice was broken and dark as the city outside. Exposed to its gloom, Jack found himself cold and alone with the street. At once, his eyes danced above the rooftops towards the week's terminal rain clouds, which had begun to softly coalesce into sodden balls of cotton wool. It seemed to echo the mistimed rhythm of his footsteps along uneven pavements as he began the long struggle home. With spite, the flags continued to revolve beneath his feet, while shadows curled and reappeared around gutters and dustbin lids, the roads glistening under a film of surface water, and the alleyways gurgling with flowing streams of black liquid. All about the dock road and up O'Curry Street, he stumbled over curbs and fell on car bonnets as the water rushed down the channel of his spine. Cursing the skies and constellations, he slid and sliced his shoulder against the rough bricks of Windmill Street for balance as he rounded the corner towards the sanctuary of his house. Once outside, after a duel with the lock, he made his way up the stairwell on hands and knees and crawled into the carpet of his bedroom. Home. But if only his night had ended there. If only he hadn't scrolled through his contact list and found Jenny's number beneath his thumb. If only she had been asleep and didn't answer his call to hear him growling and swearing at her. If only she didn't cry out in horror upon hearing that side of him. If only she never knew that side of him existed. If only she thought I was a decent man, Jack spoke aloud to the empty room as he derailed his train of thought from three days ago. Jenny hadn't answered any of his texts since that night, and he supposed he'd frightened her off. There was no reason for his anger towards her, outside of his inebriation. Though he couldn't remember a word of the phone call, the cruelty of his brain ensured he remembered the tone. Jenny first became a feature in his life five months previously, through the haze of a college party in Castle Troy. The glimmer from the blonde braids of her hair and that softness which sat deep within her eyes had drawn him to her through the smoke and music of the living room. It seemed odd to him that he would swallow his shyness deep within his chest and speak to her without being given an introduction. At first, she smiled politely 
to the space behind his shoulder and refused to meet his eyes. The sensation was not novel to him, but gallantly he waded through the shallow waters of small talk until she unexpectedly grabbed his fingers and kissed him full on the lips. Full on the lips. No one had ever done that before. Not like that. They found a spot to sit on and effortlessly chatted well into the night about everything their minds could conjure. He walked her home under the amber street lamps of Milford Grange and lapsed comfortably into the silence of familiarity. The sound of her heels on each footpath echoed up the pebble-dashed walls of the old houses, and he wondered on the generations of students who had trod on similar paths in similar circumstances, while traces of their memories beckoned mischievously behind each driveway and lamppost. Her own driveway loomed in the quiet of darkness, and when she stopped at its entrance, he could faintly perceive the silhouette of a small palm tree rustling in the cool autumn breeze behind her face. Transfixed as he looked upon each soft feature beneath the half-moon, he sensed the caverns of his soul illuminate beneath the lighthouse of her eyes. Locked and magnetized to her visage, he held her gaze until each breath began to quicken and his heart thumped loudly in his ears. They kissed again, and it was softer still, inflaming his senses, which were glowing red embers, sparkling and scorching new memories deep within his brain. And then, pulling her lips slowly away from his, she smiled and gently released her grip on his hands. He watched on helplessly as she walked to the entrance of the front porch while his feet grew new roots on the concrete path. Alas, turning the key in the lock, she stepped inside, blew a warm kiss along the breeze towards him and closed the door. He listened intently as she rotated the lock and flicked a switch, returning the house to darkness. The walk home was on clouds rather than footpaths, and he found his lips making the same shape as the crescent moon. The night was pleasant, and the air of experience hung warmly around his face. He knew that the evening he had shared with Jenny would always be with him, and he felt odd about the change it had made inside his skin. As if he had grown from the impulse of boyhood, to something approaching a steady state of reason. And he thanked Jenny for that. He thanked her for many things now, as he lay in his bed and gazed blankly at the ceiling. Like always, his words of gratitude formed as notions, drifting through his head rather than words upon his lips. If he had thanked her more, maybe he could send her another message and ask if they could stay friends. It may change down the road. He was pathetic. He was bargaining. It was a stage of grief. 
The knight in Castle Troy began to feel many moons away, and the chill of his room sat grim and real in his bones. Rising from the sickly cocoon of his blankets, Jack felt the itch of three days' neglect burning between his inner thighs and his groin. While wallowing in a cool sweat, he had lain in a state of disgrace and decrepitude. Had three days really passed? The air set heavy with his own organic waste, and his lungs begged for the breeze of the river. Yes, he would go to the Shannon. Remaining unwashed, Jack pulled a hoodie and tracksuit pants over his naked body and found his runners beneath the bed. It was time to go back into the night. The mist had picked up to a spitting rain, and the wind rolled in waves along the Shannon's jagged surface as he made his way down the steps from Sarsfield Bridge to Honan's Quay. The grey walls of the old bridge loomed large and heavy in his heart while he followed the trail of the river's verge, feeling the chilly hands of autumn on his spine and pulling his hood closely around his face. As he watched two huddled figures emerge from the park, Jack began to lean against the railings above the water, allowing an acceptance of the dark vista to fall before the curtains of his eyes. The street lamps from Clancy Strand twinkled across the river in distorted rays, mounting high crests and dancing on white foam as the fullness of the moon pulled the river from the city's heart to the cold indifference of the ocean. Craning his neck towards the grey mass of King John's castle, he heeded the girl's advice and allowed his thoughts to fall freely from his lips. They fell in broken utterances of sound and tingled on his tongue as they slid from his face. They dripped from his eyes in salt to the relentless currents of fresh water below, where the tides would carry them to foins and further out to the infinite Atlantic beyond. A galaxy of tears heaving along the compressed rocks of the seabed and tickling the harbours of New York. The world swayed on its axis and Jack tightened his grip on the damp metal of the railings. Seasick and lost, he felt the key's light bulbs burst and dim within the eye of his mind flickering as they receded from the luminance of life and into black once more.